You're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. I'm Holly. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. So, Holly, what's new with you? Well, we're celebrating my grandson Remy's first birthday okay. on the 17th. How is that possible? I don't know, but he's almost walking. In fact, he's down in Florida with his grandparents, other grandparents, this, I guess, for about a week. And I fully expect that when he comes back, he's going to be running. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I feel like we were just last month, like on on baby watch, you know, stalking Instagram, waiting for the announcement of his arrival. And all of a sudden he's a year. Well, and he's he's quite the character, developing quite a personality. So it's kind of fun. But you've got Nathan, who seems to be doing all sorts of stuff now. Oh, good grief. Okay, so Nathan is five. He's still in pre-K. He'll be starting kindergarten in the fall. And I found him this morning. He came to me after I got out of the shower. And he plays and watches videos. And he's okay by himself for a little bit while I take a shower. Well, he decided that he needed some chocolate milk this morning. We don't have chocolate milk stuff. So he very, oh my gosh, he was so proud. He came all the way back to my bedroom and said, Mommy, I made chocolate milk. And he was so excited because he had found the protein powder that we haven't touched in over a year. (laughs) That's, I'm sure, really fresh. He found that in the cabinet. He had pushed a chair over to the countertop, found the powder, gotten this shaker mug thing. And anyway, he was so excited because he had made his own chocolate milk. So I'm a little concerned because now I think he's going to be cooking up three-course meals by the time I get out of the shower, and I don't think he really knows how to do that. Well, you'll just have to teach him how to cook. Maybe so. I might have a little culinary guy on my hands here. The other thing that we're dealing with is, of course, it's February, and today we had, what was our temperature, 28? Yes. Or something like that, below freezing here in Dallas. Dallas. And yay, this weekend we start outdoor soccer. So (laughs) that means I get to pull out every piece of fleece I own. And just, oh, it's just going to be fabulous. So yeah, that's what my world looks like right now. (laughs) So anyway, enough about how I'm going to freeze this weekend. Let's go ahead and get into our topic, Holly. All right. This is episode 90 and the second installment of the home design series. Laura and I are residential architects. We both have our own firm in Dallas, HPD Architecture and Interiors. One of the things we spend a lot of time on at the beginning of each project is helping our clients defining their needs and wants and their budget. Architects call this programming. Yes, that's our our nerdy tech talk word for writing it all down, creating your wish list and figuring out what you want. So if you have an architect, you can, and he's talking, or he or she is talking about programming, that's what we're referring to. It's just putting everything down so you've got that list before you ever start designing. So first off, 
before you ever start picking out things on Pinterest, you have to establish your goals. We have to know why are we doing this? And this is a great stepping off point because in our last episode, finding out the why or figuring out why you're doing your project was one of the things that we suggested, one of the essentials that you needed to know before you started a project. So now we're gonna dive deep into the why. So several years ago, I had a client who is a great example of why establishing your why is super important. And so what we discovered with her was that the whole reason that she wanted to change her home was that her home was built in the, what, probably 60s or 70s. It was very closed in. Every room was defined. It was really hard to have a party there. She wanted to be able to entertain and see her friends, and she loved to cook. And so she wanted to be able to be in the kitchen, but also have friends and family there. And the other side of it was that she loved to travel. And so she had plenty of wonderful souvenirs and artwork and things that she wanted to show off, and she had no way to do that. So those two really strong reasons are what drove the project. And what I found was that as we got into making decisions in the project, coming back to that why made it so easy to decide if something was right for for her design. And we would come back to it and say, now does this support your want and your need to entertain? Is this gonna get us where you wanna go? And so by defining that goal early on, it made all the difference in the flow of the project. And, And really at the end, she was so happy with everything that we had done. I just recently had a project where the whole goal remodeling the kitchen so that it could have two cooks because for years they had been perfectly happy with their kitchen until he retired so all of a sudden he was home all all of a sudden he was home (laughs) and they were both trying to cook in this kitchen and they were constantly bumping into each other and saying excuse me excuse me i have to put the dishwasher you know door down so that I can get something in it. So can you please move? Can you please scooch over so that I can open the oven door? And they were a little bit fed up with that. And they said, we just want to both be in here without bumping into each other constantly. That was the whole goal of the kitchen. Yeah. And and they ended up with a fabulous kitchen. Yeah, they really did. It's amazing there's two different approaches to defining your goal. If you really can't quite put your finger on it, you're either going to be motivated by some sort of pleasure or, or gain or advantage that you're trying to create. Like my first client who wanted to experience a wonderful entertaining space, or you're going to have experienced some sort of annoyance or some kind of pain in your everyday life that is just making you miserable or even just it just bugs you. It's just, just make, like bumping just, into yes, each other in the kitchen. Exactly. It's just, it, it's a difficulty that can be resolved. So we, depending on which way your motivation is created, it's okay. Either way is great. It just helps to define it. So spend a little bit of time thinking about what is your goal and why are you wanting to change your home? Your stage in life has a big piece of, of all of this and your desired lifestyle. So we have all sorts of clients who some are have big families, have lots of kids. They want it to be a casual, low maintenance house that allows kids to come and go. And they don't wanna to have to worry about 
seeing messes and things like that. They're okay with that as long as we create rooms that can be closed off and then allows the adults to have their spaces. You know, that sort of lifestyle is very different from another client that we have who wants very formal spaces. They have a beautiful art collection and wonderful furniture and they don't have little kids running around their house anymore, but they host big parties. And so they want to be able to entertain and show off the things that they've worked their whole lives for. Those are two very different houses and lifestyles and goals. Also, when you determine what your goals are, it helps define the types of rooms that you want and what you need to either add or change or move around. So that's sort of a starting point for us. And it also helps define the sizes of the spaces that you want. The other thing that really influences what the spaces look like is the architectural style. Because if you've got a house that's colonial, then it's going to tend to be more boxy and more closed in, as opposed to something that's more contemporary. Now we've got one longtime client that the outside of their house is sort of a Greek Revival, Southern colonial style house. You walk in the front door and boom, it just opens up and everything inside the house is totally contemporary, except for some moldings. So you can mix it up, but it sort of helps define uh, some of the design decisions that are going to be made, what the architectural style is. And it could be the architectural style of the existing house doesn't suit you and you want to change it. Sometimes that can be done. It just depends upon the, the house. So as Holly and I were discussing how we wanted to approach this episode, we really decided that we needed to define the difference between needs and wants. And it may sound simple and obvious, but I think if we take just a minute to talk about, maybe share some examples of a need versus a want, I think that'll help clear it up. So as you're going through and having to make decisions and compromises, potentially, you'll know which way to go when it comes to making those changes. One of your clients had talked about the kitchen needing to be bigger so that two people could work in it at the same time. So to them, that was a need, right? Right. A larger kitchen. That was not a luxury or an optional feature. That was the whole purpose of doing this. What are some examples of wants maybe that they might have had? Well, in that same project, uh, they got some top-of-the-line appliances. They could have lived with regular appliances, but they decided that as long as they were going to do this, then they wanted to go ahead and spend the extra dollars on getting a steam oven and getting some super-duper convection ovens and getting a huge refrigerator and a huge separate freezer. That was sort of a want versus a need because what they really needed was a refrigerator and a freezer. They didn't need the super duper big ones. They didn't have to have the steam oven even though they've fallen in love with it now that they've got it and said how did we ever survive without it because because it cooks things so marvelously. You can have a kitchen sink that's a basic kitchen sink or you can get a copper 
kitchen sink. So the need is the kitchen sink and the want is something that's a little bit over the top. You can have really basic spaces and then just put a little bit of sprinkle on top um, without going overboard and still have a wonderful project. So whenever you're making your lists of what your needs and wants are, you need to sort of make two columns so that here's, here's the basic need so we can live with this, but if the budget allows it, then it sure would be nice to do this. And this is something that we want, but we don't absolutely have to have it to make the project happen. Right, but it can bring that extra level of happiness or delight that is really kind of cool and, and yes. really part of what you do or really why you go to the extent of doing a custom project is to really make it fit your lifestyle. Right. So we're gonna walk through several categories that you might wanna consider as you develop your wish list and being able to divide these into needs and wants. And the first area that we want you to think about that maybe you've never thought about are architectural features. And this is probably something that Holly and I think about all the time, but maybe most people may not even be completely aware that these sort of features affect how they enjoy a space. And one of the big ones that we get asked for frequently is people want higher ceilings. So whether that just means raising the ceiling up to 10 feet or 12 feet, or whether it means actually vaulting it and having angled ceilings, uh, maybe with extra wood beams or some sort of you know, fancy paint color or something different or special on the ceiling. The need in that sense is that they want to feel not contained and not claustrophobic. They want to feel light and airy and comfortable in a space. The want would be the, the high, fancy, expensive vaulted ceilings with, you know, real wood. So there are different ways to accomplish the need with getting a little bit of higher ceiling in there. And then there's other ways to interpret it if it's going to be a want. Um, another example of an architectural feature might be arched openings, or perhaps if you really love the look of a large wraparound porch on the exterior of your house. These are all things that can either be just aesthetics and, and just something that you just really love the look of, and they also could be something that changes the function of your house. There might be a time when a pool cabana could become a need but it could be an extra space for if you've got extended guests that come and stay for a long period of time, you may wanna give them an area that gives them a little bit of privacy and separation and that in itself could create a much more pleasant experience for them and you. It can also be a home office. I've seen, in fact, we have a an interior designer friend who created her office in basically a a really cool she shed in the back <laughs> of her house and it's really wonderful because she she does have to get dressed and put shoes on and and put, pull herself together and she has that transition like many of us that commute or drive to our office she takes a step outside gets a breath of fresh air and then walks into her office which just happens to be 20 paces behind her house but it really gives her that separation and, and kind of allows her to go into that professional mode 
when she goes to work, even though it happens to be on the same property. Another thing that can be either a need or a want, uh, you could, as if you're changing the style of your house, either add moldings or remove moldings. By moldings, we're talking about uh, crown molding, uh, heavy-duty casings around doors, trim around doors, as well as baseboards. And if you are changing the style of your house, this sort of becomes a need rather than a want. And if you're just trying to dress your house up, then it could be a want. Just depends upon how far you want to go, how much the feel of the moldings will change the overall feel of the house. When you enter a house that has just really sleek, simple, no no fancy trims or anything versus a house that has really elaborate moldings, it makes a huge difference in how you feel when you walk in that house. And, and one is very clean and calm and there's not a lot of fussiness to distract your eye. And the other one is, is there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and and it's elegant. It can add to the room if that's aware of what you're getting, especially if you're working with a builder and they just give you the standard package of trim. You're not going to think anything of it until it's in your house. And then you may go, oh, my goodness, this is way fancier than I wanted. Or yeah, this moldings is kind of plain. can be designed so that they work seamlessly with the house. It's not something you just slap on. Mm -hmm. It has to be thoughtfully worked through so that it's the right proportion and so that it feels right with the style of the house. You don't just say, well, I want molding A here and molding B there. They have to be really in concert with the style of the house. And the scale of the rooms, too. Right. The whole topic of plumbing is another area where you can vary widely between needs and wants. But when we talk about plumbing, we're talking about beautiful, shiny faucets and wonderful, amazing sinks. And I mean, if you've ever walked into a really nice plumbing showroom, it's art. It's They're, like jewelry. Oh, my gosh. And some of it is very high tech. So plumbing is a whole area of study in itself. And if you are doing a new home or a renovation, it's something that you want to put a little bit of thought into. So think about what sort of features might be a need or a want when you're thinking about plumbing. So for example, in the master bath, you may need a double vanity, you know, meaning two sinks for him and her and, and being able to have separate countertops. Because if one person's really messy and the other one wants to be clean, having two separate countertops and two separate sinks, that can save a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> that can be a big deal. If you don't have to share the tube of toothpaste with that person, that's everything in your getting ready in the morning. So think about how you live in your daily life and where do you find those little moments of, of annoyance or things that could work a little more smoothly. I know um, back when we were doing a lot of big houses back in the 90s, we had several clients who asked for his and her toilet rooms because she didn't want to use the same toilet that he used and he didn't want to have to keep putting the seat down so that she could use it. And you know, when you get to that level and you just, two toilets become a need. <laughs> you just are ready to not deal with that in the morning. And I can vouch for that <laughs> need. I would love to have a separate 
toilet room all to myself. So think about those little moments and write them down because they do matter. And then in the category of wants, you may want a steam shower because a steam shower is just pure luxury to have. But I know for my parents, it's a need for them because they live in Utah where it's so, so dry and they use that steam shower every single morning and it helps with their breathing and to moisturize, you know, just their whole breathing, you know, respiratory system. I never system. thought of that. Oh my gosh, yeah, they use it every morning. It's not just something to, you know, use after a long day. Well, it is much drier up in the mountains. It's very dry, yeah, they have no humidity. So for them, it really is a need. For somebody here in Texas where we have lots of humidity, it's more of a, just a luxury of a nice, more like a spa or sauna type feature. So I recently had a client who was a true aficionado of tea and she loved to have hot tea and she went to all the different tea stores and boutiques and that was one of the things that really brought her a lot of pleasure. It was her hobby, it was the thing that she used to unwind and so for her a need in her new kitchen was to have an insta-hot hot water dispenser which gave her instantly filtered clean hot water that was just the right temperature for her tea and she could have it without having to microwave a mug or put water on the stove that to her was a need and to other clients it might just be oh that that would be cool something that i might use a couple times a year when we have hot chocolate or something but for her she uses it multiple times a day Holly works a lot with clients who have very specific needs in the area of appliances. Do you want to share some of the appliances you've researched, Holly? You can get almost anything you want these days in the way of appliances. The refrigerators come in styles that completely disappear in the kitchen. You don't even know the refrigerator is there. They come very large. You can get drawer type refrigerators. You can get refrigerators that the top and the bottom can both have different temperatures. You can get refrigerators that have pieces of them that you can turn into freezers if you want. You have to tell the story about the plastic fruit. <laughs> I had a client one time who decided they wanted to have a glass door refrigerator. And like, said, like the commercial style. The commercial yeah, style. And see I inside. Said, why would you want to do that? That's just, then you have to keep your refrigerator really neat. For instance, me, I've got stuff just sort of piled in there. Oh yeah, everybody does. No. Yeah. And she was adamant about having a glass door refrigerator. I said, okay, let's do this. <laughs> so at that time, it was a commercial refrigerator that we had to have because that was right. the only type that had glass doors. And now you can get regular refrigerators with glass doors. So I went to see them. Oh, it was probably about six weeks after they had moved in to just sort of walk around and see if anything needed to be tweaked. And I looked at the refrigerator and it had all plastic food in it, like you see at some <laughs> Chinese restaurants where they had the food on display. And I said, where, where do you keep your food? Oh, well, we just did a refrigerator out in the garage so that we go out in the garage and 
to get the real stuff that's in the refrigerator. <laughs> to get your tub of margarine and your, yes, you know, the ugly the, stuff. To get the right? real food. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I thought that was really interesting. Oh I had another gosh. client one time who um, wanted to keep everything very... I guess they didn't call it feng shui back then, but it was all very calm and sort of Japanese style and keep everything very simple and minimalistic. And they actually put their refrigerator out in the garage on purpose so that they didn't have to have it in the house because they didn't want to hear it, hear the motor running. And they also thought it was good exercise to have to walk out to the garage to get stuff out of their refrigerator. Oh, my. So everybody is different. Everybody is different. Oh, my goodness. Well, so you just have to figure out what floats your boat. <laughs> exactly. Well, and another area that is very personal is the topic of storage. But it is something we deal with on every single project. And the funny thing is, is we've had clients who want as much storage as we can possibly get they want us to carve out the space in between the studs and put in shallow little medicine cabinet type cabinets and you know they want to just grab every available square inch of storage and then we have other clients who don't want extra closets because they know that if they have them they'll just fill them up with junk and so they are constantly telling us to limit how many closets and how much storage we put in so it's just so all over the map how people want to use storage and what they need it for um, we even had somebody that she loved to she had this big beautiful open entry in her house with a big curved stair and the big open foyer two-story high and so she had a big beautiful 12-foot tall Christmas tree and instead of taking it down every year, she wanted to be able to roll it into a 12-foot-tall tree storage closet. Well, her ceilings were only 10 feet tall, and so we had to completely rearrange a 5-foot-by-5-foot shaft, basically, in her entryway so that she could roll this tree into this closet and not have to take it all down every year. So it just depends on what where are your priorities and what are your goals and for her that was a need that was something that would make her life better so yeah i've been amazed at how many people want christmas closets right off of their living rooms i had a client mm -hmm. one time that wanted a huge closet that they could just roll the tree into and it wasn't a 12-foot tree it was just a regular christmas tree mm -hmm. but then be able to put all the christmas decorations right there because they were tired of having to go up in the attic and get all that down. Yeah. And uh, so it just it worked out for them really well. Yeah, so as you're taking stock of what sort of special storage you're going to need, look at things like, do you go to the big box stores like Costco and Sam's Club and buy lots of bulk type items? Because you may want to include like a stockpile type room where you've got an extra large pantry, that might be something that would help you out. Um, we've done specialty storage for folks that have, maybe they have a large silver collection or specialty jewelry, because there's some really wonderful drawer inserts that can help protect your jewelry and not let it tarnish. So 
special things like that do exist. And then if you've got a lot of shoes or a lot of hats or just any kind of collection, look at it carefully and decide how do you want to store it and what's the best way to move forward with that because that can make a big difference. What we don't want to have happen is for you to move into the house and be unpacking and go, oh shoot. <laughs> where do what? I put this? Yeah, where do I put this and why didn't I think of that? So we want to be able to think about all those things ahead of time so that we can plan for it. Yeah, we do that whenever we're redoing a kitchen. We'll go in and open all the cabinets and drawers in the kitchen and take pictures of all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when the kitchen is being planned, we make sure that there is a place for everything. And several times we've found that clients have kitchen stuff that they haven't got room for in their present kitchen that's up in the attic, special bakeware or big stock pots or cookbooks, cookbooks, all sorts of things. Yep. And so you've got to, we just always have to ask, well, do you have any more of this kind of stuff stockpiled <laughs> someplace else? Yeah, and sometimes the, the wife has to go, um, come over here because I'm going to tell you out of earshot of my husband because he doesn't know I have two crock pots hiding in this guest room closet or you know I've got all this bakeware that he doesn't know about yeah, and another thing frequently there will be the closet that you live with with your clothes but then you've got your out of season and so you're finding that a couple of times a year you're having to shift stuff from one closet to another so that it's more close at hand for when you're getting dressed. And if you can consolidate all that into one closet, then a lot of times that will help make your life simpler. So another area that it pays to, to spend a little bit of time thinking about when we're talking about needs and wants is the area of technology. And so it is really easy to go full-on tech on houses these days. And everybody's probably seen the TV shows about smart houses and how you can control everything on your phone and you can turn on your, your sprinklers and your air conditioner and lights on and off and all this sort of stuff. You can monitor your home by your phone, prioritize what's going to be at the top of your list. One of the things that I've discovered recently, because I've gotten more technology integrated into my house, is that if something goes haywire, I don't have access to whatever it is, and I've got to call the IT guy to come out and help get it running again. So the system may still be working, even though I can't get it on my phone. So you have to go to the wall and push the buttons on the wall instead of on the phone. So if you really want it on the phone, then you gotta have somebody come out and take care of that system. So you have to think about this integration thing and figure out what's gonna make our life really simple. And if you can get it on your phone, that's great, but the fewer layers that you have between your phone and whatever the system is, that's probably better because you don't want to have to be calling the security guy to be able to get your lights on. Right, well, and we've had a client who they've got more technology in their house than they really probably should on a day-to-day -day basis. They don't want to be dealing with technical and complicated things, and so they end up calling us or they end up calling their IT person 
more frequently than they should because of user error. It's not the technology problem, it's because they don't know how to use their equipment. So be honest about your comfort level with technology and, and don't go further than what you can realistically use because then it's just wasted money and time and frustration. Yeah, I have to tell this story on myself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I recently got a new programmed remote for my TV. And I just told the guy, well, just get me a good one and just make sure that it works and that it's up to date. Great. <laughs> so he got it here. He programmed it. He said, it's all done. Walked away, left me. I got the remote and I was like, great, I'll watch TV. And okay, how do you turn this thing on? Because there's no <laughs> on button. Oh, geez. And it turns out all you have to do is touch the little screen on the remote and it comes alive. But it took me fumbling around with it and accidentally touching the screen to figure that out. <laughs> and then there were no channel buttons on this remote. So no numbers. Th- no numbers. So how, how do you change <laughs> the channels? So I was pushing the up and down button to go through 30, 40 different channels to get to where I wanted oh, to go. Geez. And so the next day I called the guy up and I said, uh, there are no channels <laughs> on this remote. And he said, well, if you just touch on the little screen where it says TV, you touch that. And the numbers pop up on the screen for you. Oh. (laughs) So that's how this thing works. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, then I think that's all his fault for not giving you a demonstration. Somebody should have given me a demo instead of assuming. Right. But by now they should know that I'm an idiot. So (laughs) They need to hold your hand a little bit more. Yes. Yes. And sometimes that's, yeah, of course... Next time, just call my five-year-old, and he'll come straighten it out for you. I'm sure. It's amazing (laughs) how kids can do that Exactly. Well, and our last category for needs and wants is one of my favorites because it's the kinds of rooms that help you enjoy your hobbies and your interests beyond just our basic daily life things of bathrooms and kitchens and bedrooms. These are the kind of rooms that you get to personalize to your own enjoyment. So things like a wine cellar or a dog bathing room. And my personal favorite, a sewing or an art studio, that would be just a dream to have a a space completely designed to function as that space. Not just a bedroom that I convert, but an actual room that I designed for that. So whatever your interest is, whether it's maybe you're a big cinema enthusiast and you want a really wonderful movie theater room, or maybe you're like one of our previous clients who wanted a full-size golf swing simulator, including the artificial turf in the in their right off of their living room even, uh, that was a priority for them. That was in their mind that was a need because they were huge golf fanatics and they wanted to be able to do that without having to leave their home. So whatever it is that just brings you extra joy and makes life worth living, give that some energy and some time and think about whether or not that can fit in your house. Now we come to the tough part. 
that's the budget. How much is all of this going to cost? That's one of the reasons why we wanted you to think about your needs and wants. Because inevitably, you may be able to get your needs in your budget, but not everybody can get all their wants in a budget. Sometimes you may have to move something from the need column over to the want column because it's maybe not as high priority as some of the other needs. This is where you can start a spreadsheet. And this is Holly's happy place. Yes, this is my place. I just geek <laughs> out with spreadsheets. But you can start off with your needs and your wants column. And then you can start putting dollar signs next to it, similar to what you might see in a restaurant review where an expensive restaurant is five dollar signs and a Taco Bell is a half of a dollar sign. <laughs> And so that you can start to sort of see it relatively what these things might cost you. There are some rules of thumb in every community for cost per square foot. And it varies. What it is here in Dallas will be very different from what it may be in Houston. And it may be totally different once you get out in what we call the country, but some small towns in Texas, because the overhead costs won't be the same. Uh, but we have generally found that the most expensive rooms in, the, in a typical home are kitchens and bathrooms. And for instance, in the Dallas area, right now you can build a very nice house for around $150 a square foot. But when you're just talking about doing a kitchen, because of all the appliances and the plumbing and all the extra electrical and, and all of the finishes and the cabinets and everything, it can easily run 200 to 250 a square foot just for the kitchen space. But that space gets averaged out by bedrooms or living rooms that don't have all of those extra finishes and all the plumbing and everything in it. And so you might be able to build a bedroom for around $100 a square foot. But once you average it in with the more expensive kitchen or bathroom, it gets you back to the 150 maybe 175 if you've got expensive finishes. Family rooms, living rooms, master bedrooms, laundry mudrooms, places where you might have some cabinets will bring the cost down below what you've got in a kitchen or a bathroom because those spaces may have some special finishes, some cabinets may have special floors or something like that that makes the cost go up a bit. Then you've got bedrooms, offices, playrooms, simpler spaces. And then you get to the single dollar sign where you've got garages and porches because they don't have, you know, a garage doesn't have very many finishes in it. It's basically your foundation and a roof and some paint on the walls. Unless you go in for some sort of a special lift, which we've had some people do so that they can stack their cars in their garage. 
Yeah, or if you've gone into it with the way that my dad approached the garage, the, you know, they're up in the mountains in Utah, so they have, well, he decided he wanted to have radiant heat in the garage. Really? So, oh, yeah, so that the, you know, snow and ice would not remain on the cars when he pulled them into the garage. So he probably also had a drain. Oh, yeah, several big drains. And so that those rooms, I mean, he doesn't keep it at 70 degrees, obviously. He keeps it tempered, you know, 40 or 50 degrees. But when it's 15 degrees outside, that makes a huge difference. And being able to get into a car that's not ice cold makes a big difference. That's the other thing he did was put in extra electrical so that when they leave for a month or two to go on a vacation, they can plug in the cars so that their batteries don't die. They can, you know, keep the, the heaters running and make sure that everything's fine. So, yeah, garages can get expensive, and especially if you have a wood working workshop or an auto workshop or something like that attached to it, those can be more expensive because then you get into specialty stuff. But in general, the typical regular two-car garage that most people have is, is going to be less expensive. And then covered porches are less expensive because they don't have all the wall surface. So basically, once again, it's foundation and a roof. And you know, somebody may put an outlet outside for a TV or may have an outdoor kitchen. And whenever you start doing that, then the cost starts going up. But just a covered outdoor space is about the same cost as a garage. And they're sort of at the bottom of the totem pole budget-wise. So as you're looking at your spreadsheet, you can look at your typical room sizes. Maybe start by measuring what you have. And if you feel like you're, you want, say, 20% more space or an extra couple feet in a room one way or the other, go ahead and put those room sizes in. And then you can start multiplying the area, this is where we go back to our fifth grade math, multiply your area of the room times sort of the general cost per square foot of what you might expect in that room type. And that can help you start developing just a real rough ballpark number. I recently did this for a client who contacted us and had this big dream. She'd been dreaming about this new renovation for three years. She had been drawing sketches and researching and doing all her homework and she thought she had everything exactly where it needed to be but she had no idea about budget so when i took her drawings and her sketches and i actually started to break it down into real numbers and i sent it back to her her eyes popped out of her head she thought oh my gosh this is not going to work this is way more than than we want to spend on this so getting real with your numbers, it's kind of uncomfortable, but getting real up front will help you in your planning of your project and managing your expectations going forward. Yeah, we've had clients who've come to us that said, well, we don't really have a budget. It's just whatever it's going to cost. <laughs> and our response to that, besides chuckling, uh -huh. is, okay, if we say it's going to be X, are you comfortable with that? Or are you starting to get uncomfortable with that? Or are you screaming, no way? <laughs> so even if you don't think you have a budget, everybody's got a budget. Yeah, we call it the squeak point. 
well, or the squeal point, depending <laughs> upon how loud you're going to get. Oh, right. How loud, how over the budget you really are. Yeah. It's pretty much that number that makes you choke. And <laughs> So once you figure out what your choke number is, right. then what you want to do is subtract at least 10, maybe 15% from that number. And that's what you ought to establish as your budget. Because there are always things during the project that will change, or as we call them, they're might as wells. Mm -hmm. As long as we're doing this, we might as well <laughs> add That's something the Texas in. Texas version. And <laughs> so you need to have something in reserve to be able to handle those things. And if it's doing a remodel, there's always the problem of, well, you tear into this wall and you discover that you've got termites who have made a home in your house or that there is a lot of rot someplace or, whoops, we didn't think there was a pipe in that wall. So we've got to do some rerouting in order to make that happen for us. So there are always some unexpected things that happen during construction that it's always good to have a reserve. So we would love to hear from you. We wanna know, have you started this process of writing down your needs and your wants? Have you taken a stab at establishing a budget and do you have any idea of what it's gonna cost in your area? We would love to hear your questions, hear what your experience has been you can reach out to us on our website and find our show notes with uh, extra information about this topic. Go to thearchitecturehappyhour.com and look for episode 90. You can find more information also about our company, hpdarch.com is our company's website. And also reach out to us on social media. You can find the Architecture Happy Hour at Arch Happy Hour is our tag for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, and we would love to connect with you. So give us a shout. Let us know what you're wondering about and what you need to know. And then we will be happy to answer those questions on the next episode or in our social media. So thanks again for hanging out with us today. You've been listening to the Architecture Happy Hour podcast. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.